Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Keep It or Change Cars podcast. My name is Gugu Masuku, your host, and I'm joined by two of the usual suspects. Firstly, Adam Ford, welcome back. Thanks, Gugu. Good to be back. Well, I don't have to invite you. You just come in every yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's just I'm part of the furniture now. <laughs> I can tell. We've also got the owner of Change Cars, Mike Pursuit. Thank you. Good to be here. Lovely to have Adam here. Whenever Adam's here, we've got an interesting show ahead. Yeah. I and there's lots of debate. I, lo- I love debating with Adam. There's no Audi questions today. So oh, thank look, goodness for <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be the referee in this one. I'll, 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 I'll be the intermediary. Just say, okay, guys, time out. Cool <laughs> off, cool off, cool off. Okay. So the first one for us to get into today is one that really, really irks Michael. I know that for a fact. Um, and he's always talking about it because he always gets asked questions about the whole rent to own system. And it really does irk you. I've seen that. But Adam, on your side, what are your views on the rent-to-own system, um, both from a service provider point of view mm-hmm. and from the person renting? I think before vehicle? we start with me, I want to know why it irks Mike. Yeah, why does it irk you? Because I'm interested to know why he's irked about it. So one of the key components for me of any business that I'm involved in is making sure that the customer is advantaged, not disadvantaged. Sure. Everybody, whether you're a trader, whether you're a bank, you're entitled to make money. But what the rent to never own, as I refer to it, concept essentially does is a trade on the poorest of the poor, the most vulnerable. Those who can afford it the least are being charged the most. I really, if I think it's coming across clearly, I detest it. Mm. And we'll discuss the figures in a moment. I take it you see it slightly differently, and I'm always open to learning. To be honest with you, Mike, when it comes to the rent to own story, um, I'm not really that up to date with the whole scenario like you are. What I understand about it, of course, is that somebody who cannot get finance generally goes to rent to own. So take for argument's sake, I'll say I don't, I have a bad credit rating or I can't get finance for whatever reason it is, but I can afford to pay the three, 4,000 rand a month or in whatever theory. it is. In, in theory. theory. I'm, I mean, talking in theory. So I go along to one of the rent to own places and I say, look, I, I've, I want to rent to own, let's use an example of a Polar, a VW Polar. And they say, fine, we'll, we'll, we'll find, either they find you a car or they have a car in stock on, on the uh, showroom floor. You buy this Polar, you put a fat admin fee down. Of course. And so that admin fee would, is literally, you can change the wording saying that's your deposit. And then you pay them on a monthly basis. Now I know that, uh, that it's very high interest rates. Astronomical. So what they'll do is they'll say, okay, you're gonna pay, let's f- say for argument's sake, uh, 4,000 Rand a month on a 100,000 Rand car, where it should normally cost you 2,000 Rand a month. So it's a lot more, but you're gonna pay that over a specific period of time. At the end of that period of time, you own the car. Correct. But there's so many terms and conditions that a lot of people don't understand. And, I, and I'm sort of with you there when you were saying, you know, the people who are in trouble are now going to get a bit more in trouble because they just want a car so they can get around and they don't really look at the um, terms and conditions. So I want to refer to it as a marriage of inconvenience. Let's look at the client. They should not be paying any installment because they delinquent. When I say delinquent from a creditor basis. Yes. The person who's lending them the money should not be lending them the money. Then let's look at the actual numbers. For the purpose of this discussion, for every 100,000 Rand you finance, through a bank at Prime Plus 3 today, it will be 2,400 Rand. Mm-hmm. I buy a 100,000 Rand car, I'm credit worthy, I'm going to pay 2,400 Rand. You'll go to the rent-to-own companies, they take the dregs of cars, polos that have got 200,000 kilos that is worth 70, 80,000 rand and I'll be charging you 4,000 rand for that. Sorry to interrupt there. So are you telling me they're not 
um, using new cars for the system? Not a chance. Look, I understand that you can actually buy a new car rent to own, but no, you can. I, where I you, you would, can. Yeah, if yeah. you were credit worthy. So let's say, Google, you credit worthy and you're going to go out and you're going to buy yourself a car. It's going to cost you, let's say, 4,000 Rand a month on a normal West Bank finance. Normal 150, 160,000 yeah. Rand car, brand new. You're now going to be paying, obviously, a lot more. I don't know if it's exploiting or if it's the fact that, you know, people, I need a car. And if I have to pay, I can afford to pay five grand a month, sure. even though I know the car should be costing me three grand a month, but I can't get finance for whatever reason. I'm going to get exploited. I'm going to go and do that and get into a car. So, so in the one hand, it does help people who need transport, but I understand what you're saying about, you know, so they're getting all, rogered. There's always two sides to a story. Let's flip it. Look at the service provider. They are taking a gamble mm -hmm. because I'm going to Joe Schmo, who's credit not worthy. He's clearly taken a few people in his path. Now I'm saying I'm going to take a chance on Joe, but the chance of Joe paying me, would you like the name Joe Schmo? No, he's yeah. clearly taken a few people Nobody down. Nobody has. That's why he's credit not worthy. Yeah. So my question is, or my point is, I'm the seller now. Yeah. I've got to double up on what I'm charging you because one in two of those deals is going to go bad. If the deal goes bad, will I get the car back? I hear you. I mean, the doubling up parts is... is standard but also you're putting down a fat deposit or an admin fee like uh, which Adam is says. non uh, you don't get that back non-refundable yeah. mm. if you are not credit worthy mm. i'm telling you there's only one option that you have you choose between uber and bolt and any of the other ride hailing apps yeah. simple as that do not go buy a car on this uh, rent to own look i went onto some of these rent to own websites today just out of interest to have a look and see and you know, a lot of the frequently asked questions, one of them was, well, what happens if I want to return the vehicle, you know, after, let's say, a year, and there's, let's say, a five-year contract? Then you just have to give them a month's notice and return the vehicle to them. So, you know, on the one hand, I'm looking at this thing, well, on paper, it doesn't look too bad. You know, you can go out, let's say you want to rent a car for six months to a year because of your financial circumstances. You want to get yourself in a better position, but you can't get finance for those sure. periods. You can go to these places, but you've got to understand, you are going to get rogered, charged a lot. The, the, the cost to you is going to be ex very exorbitant. That's exorbitant. I think it's a bit like somebody who's had three heart attacks in the last year <laughs> going to a, an insurance company and saying, I want some life insurance. You are not going to pay 100 Rand a month for your life insurance. Oh. They're going to say, sure, no problem. We're going to insure you for you know, 20,000 Rand a month. Do you want it? Yes or no? That is a genuinely good analogy. And mm. go one step further. That insurance company knows there's a very real chance that your fourth heart attack is going to be a fatal one. Yep. So instead of paying you out, there'll be that clause right at the bottom that's 11 pages long. This is if oh, you have a heart attack, we're not paying out. Correct. But if you and die any, anywhere if else. If you die any other way, <laughs> if, you die, if you die parachuting from a, what do you call it, a SAF airplane, yeah. you're fine. Yeah. You know, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So look, I think ultimately for me, what I'm seeing here, I, I mean, I've heard your side and it makes sense, Adam's side as well. I think it's a case of willing buyer, willing seller. Correct. You know, if, if you're that's desperate true. and you need it, yeah. well, I mean, you're willing to pay that kind of money. Cool. I think what is is it's a very good question for people out there who are not too aware of how the uh, rent-to-own works. If you go through the whole process, let's say you buy the car and you finance it over, let's say, 54 months, and you pay it over 54 months, at the end of the period, you know, the car is yours. But the chances of you actually lasting those 54 months is quite unusual because, like you quite rightly mentioned, Mike, a lot of these cars 
are older cars. I mean, this particular website I went on today, it said, you can go out and find a car. So I phone you, Mike, and I say, Mike, I have found a car at Google's uh, showroom. Um, it's a Ford Focus. I want to buy that car. It's got 100,000 Ks on it. They buy the car for me, and then they finance it to me. That's where they're making money out of it, is, is that it's a... They're making money out the finance, not out of the vehicles. But then there's lots of other things that need to be done. You need to you need to have it insured. You need to go specific. Um, you can have it maintained at an RMI um, workshop. You can't get Mike to service it for. Of course. The, so then who uh, takes care of uh, maintenance on that car? So some of them will sell you a maintenance plan with it if you want to. But then obviously that's all just add-ons and add-ons and add-ons at the end of the day. It's very very expensive. But for somebody who can't get finance, who needs a vehicle, you know what happens if you're a salesman? Yeah, for sure. And you need a vehicle, you know, you're an on-road salesman, you need a vehicle, and, you know, you just haven't looked after your financial situation. You've had cars repossessed, but, you know, it's a position of, I need the job. I'll, I'll sacrifice because I need that job and I'll pay a bit extra for it. It would be very interesting, and I honestly, I'm not trying to prove a point, but if you took any of our audience and they did a calculation, four and a half thousand rand on a rent to own will buy you a car of no more than a hundred thousand rand. Yeah, but I can't yeah. get finance. Hundred percent, but I'll go one stuff, step further. So pay for it. Four and a half thousand rand out of pocket. Mm. I've got to do insurance. Another eight hundred rand. 5,300. My fuel, another 2,000 rand. Now I'm at seven and a half thousand rand. Are you going to spend 250 rand every single day on an Uber? I guarantee you wouldn't. You know what? Why don't we do this? You're a businessman. Why don't you come up with your own little concept that serves this audience that's in trouble so that they don't have to go the rent to own route? If you go onto the internet, Uber have already done it for me, but <laughs> yeah. thank you for the great suggestion. Want SA's leading insurance? Visit changecars.co.za and click on the discovery logo. All right, so our first of two questions is from a gentleman by the name of Timber. And he stays in Elova, which I assume is here in Joburg, just around the corner from Not Elova in KZN. Well, it actually could be Elova in KZN. Elova where the sugar comes from. <laughs> yeah, where the sugar comes from. Or Stanger, by the way. Now, Timber says he's a huge fan of Buyer's Guide, and he says he follows all three of us on the show. And he says he can proudly share that he's a fan of us for different reasons, right? He says, for myself, he says, it's, it's my, it says I'm cool, and he likes my sense of style which I appreciate. Thank you, Timber. I like Timber. the emphasis you've put on that. Very <laughs> no, nice. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and Adam, he says, you like so properly knowledgeable and people can trust your opinion. Well, I should hope so. And if people don't know what Bias Guard is, you better tune into Ignition TV. <laughs> better start so watching you can watch TV. us on Bias right. Guard and see. Right. And Mike, uh, he says, you're a people's person and you make people feel special. Do you agree? For sure. <laughs> so you. basically what he's saying, I'm the brain's trust and you guys are just the hangers on us. <laughs> Thank you. So now what Timber would like to know is why cars have become so complicated in terms of simple things like radios, aircons, and that sort of thing. Just setting up little simple things. One of my biggest irks is that. I review, you review cars all yes. the time, right? Yeah. And yeah. having to go into a screen to to dial up the aircon or change the temperature, for me, mm. it just... It, Sometimes yeah. the ergonomics of these things are uh, pointless. And, you know, I think it starts off with one manufacturer. So I'll use an example. BMW come out with something that Mercedes haven't got. And Mercedes have. Innovative. No, 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 no I can't. We can't have <laughs> BMW having this and Mercedes are having that. And then Mercedes, well, we've got to up them. And it's this big competition. Like we talk about connectivity nowadays. You're talking about, you know, every car is a screen. Who's got the biggest screen? So they start off with a small little screen that you, or not even a small screen, start with a radio you can connect your phone to. Now you've got to have a big screen. 
Now we got, oh no, we can't have a big screen. We've got to have a Mursa big screen. So the whole dash has got to be digital. And I suppose that's the way technology is going. And if you see how, you know, you can integrate all this stuff with software into the cars, for the manufacturer, it actually becomes quite simple. Because like you mentioned, Gugu, and a great point, because something I can't stand, is like you're in a car and you're driving on a screen. Now you're driving along and you're listening to the radio, but you want to turn up the air con. Oh, hang on a sec. I've got to get out of the screen. And now yeah, you're looking at the yeah. screen and you're pressing buttons and eventually, and before you and know you're it, driving. You've, you've driven up the Oaks backside. Yeah. So much for safety. So it's a bit of a, a different safety feature, but, or non-safety feature, let me say. But everybody's now on this whole bandwagon and the youngsters of today, like Google, you want connectivity. You want to be able to get your, your Apple phone or your Android phone and you want to be able to connect to the car and you want all that technology to come through and you want to play your music and you want to see your WhatsApps and chat to everybody. This is what we all, every, everybody as a consumer wants. And the motor manufacturers are trying to better each other. They take it too far, essentially. Take it you know, it's, it's gone. It far. has gone out of hand. Yeah. But I mean, the technology in what you're seeing in your car is nothing compared to what's inside the, mechanically of the car. The technology that's going into suspension, that's going into just your lights. I mean, just an example. You go along and buy Mark's favorite car, an Audi, and they say, "What lights would you like?" What do you mean? What lights do I want? I want headlights. No, do you want uh, <laughs> Matrix do you want, LED? Exactly. Do you want halogen bulbs because they only put out this much light, or do you want xenons? Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm not too sure. We can give you matrix LEDs, you know. It turned the corner before you get before you there. Get yes, there. <laughs> it's a corner. So, and all that stuff has to get coded to computers. Yeah. There's so much software in cars nowadays that us as technicians nowadays, you get a car that comes in with a problem and you're going with your diagnostic equipment, you're trying to find the problem. And it turns out it's some software glitch, some super geek who's 25 years old wearing a dust coat in some <laughs> lab in Munich has forgotten to put a put a naught instead of a naught one naught naught or something and now the car every now and then stalls on you. But what I'm not convinced I'm not arguing with you you take the question came from Timber. Yeah. He's a consumer. You're a journalist. I'm a motor dealer. I'm a car driver. If I say to you cars in my opinion have gone backwards it obviously irks him as well. When I want to scratch my nose, I don't want to have to scratch my ear first and then scratch my nose. Yeah. I've just sold a Honda VTEC uh, Civic, the VTEC R. Yeah. One reason I hated that car. Type ergonomically, R. Type R, that car was so ergonomically flawed. I got in the car, it would say to me, do I want the screen on? Of course I want it on. because it's Not on, I can't drive the car. Yeah. Do I want it in English? No, overnight I've become a Spaniard. For, <laughs> but for what? Yes, yes. Where does this come from? Poor, that's poor design stuff. And, and you know the other thing as well is that we get cars in our market that are designed for uh, more technically advanced markets. Now, you used Honda as an example. Japanese love tech. And you see it in all the Japanese cars in terms of, you know, the, the, the way they design things and stuff like that. As long as you can play with stuff and fiddle with stuff. Because who designed it? Some 25-year-old super geek in a white dust coat. He's done it again. I won't mention the brand because I genuinely do love the brand. It's actually mm -hmm. not Audi in this particular case. I get in my car. I want to put my phone on, connect it. But as I put the car in reverse, the camera comes on. So nothing else can work until I'm out of the driveway and the reverse camera goes off. But it gets better. The reverse camera doesn't go off when you put it into drive. It sits there for five seconds. Ah, the reverse camera changes into a forward-facing camera because like, I can't see through the windscreen. You know? my, my eyesight's not really good. So for the first 25 seconds, I can't oh, do anything yeah. but look at my reverse camera. And then I'm already on the road and it just irks me. Your radio's gone off and all that kind of stuff. 2008, Land Rover Discovery 3, <laughs> turn the knob, 
That's where. Once yes. you put the aircon on, I turn the knob. I love the car. Never for sale. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You see, it's it's the the super geeks going mad, and it's the technology that's moving on, and, and it's what it's what certain people demand. I want more technology. I mean, you, you look at any motor review now on any car. What's the first thing they mention? Oh, it's got a 10-inch Absolutely. screen. Yeah, oh, screen mine's bigger than yours. It's got a 12-inch <laughs> no, screen. No, no. It's got dual screens. Oh, yes, dual screens. That's I mean, the, like a Range Rover. The yes. driver can watch the navigation yeah. and the passenger can watch a movie. Watch yeah. a movie on, yeah. the on the same screen. All this technology is, is great, but most of the time you don't use it. The worst, worst thing out... Um, I think BMW brought out was a Mercedes, one of the two, or maybe they had both. Gesture control. BMW. It's gimmicky, doesn't work, and it's stupid. Work, you don't use stupid. It. It's the same with Volkswagen they had on some I of their cars. Gesture control. So now you're going to wave your hand at the screen. So now you want to change the screen. Don't touch the screen. You wave your hand at it. And then before you know it, it's it's changing radio stations and phoning no, no, your so, girlfriend. So and you whatever. would hate the car. Anyone who knows you knows that you, sure. you, 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 you're a sign language person. Like so, if I tell my car this, will it get the picture? That's yes, what I want to know. Yeah. No, but no, really. So you're sitting in the car having a conversation and you're using your hands. Next thing, the song changes. <laughs> you're like, but we changed the song. Oh, sorry, that you, you just did this by mistake. Okay. Some of it works really well. Mm. Hey, Cherry, open my sunroof. That's it. Brrrt, and then the sunroof For opens. Sure. But freaking hell, I can just put my finger up and go, clink, and open the sunroof and it's quicker. You know, so we got this voice activation stuff as well. You know, sometimes it's nice. I know in my car, I press it and say, Phone home, and it'll call home. Yeah. But sometimes I press, I say, phone home, phoning Michael. Does ET on still? <laughs> what the <guys> hell? <laughs> How does Michael busted. and phone home sound the same? Yeah, the technologies, and you know, quite frankly, I got so many clients of mine who've got newer cars with technology in them, no idea how half of it Don't works. You. I mean, I remember having a one particular brand that had this big screen. The whole dash, everything is one big, big screen. And I had the car for a week. And at the end of the week, I still didn't know how this thing, half the stuff worked. And like you were saying, trying to get into the radio station, you know, you've got to have a, a PhD in physics to work out how the radio station works. So when you get older generation people who go Listen out now, to us. Listen to us, guys. Yeah. No, I'm talking, <laughs> let's say you get somebody who's in his 70s now wants to go buy a car. He's in trouble. Where's the key? Yeah, no, you just put trouble. the key in your pocket and then you press a button. No, 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 no. That don't work for me. You know? Where's the radio station knob? No, you have to go into this screen, go to that screen. There was a YouTube video that I saw, and it was a guy like in his 60s, and he started off very calm. I'm just want to ask nicely. I'm asking very nicely. All I want to do is just set the clock. And then he goes on. And, his, I yes. think is, and he goes, now, again, I'm listening nicely. All I want to do is just effing set this clock. I don't want to go into the computer. I don't want to take out my owner's handbook. And he just starts getting wuss. He says, I just want to set the time in my car. It's a perfect, <laughs> it's a perfect thing. And he's got, I remember he's got the manual of the car. It's about 500 pages. Yeah. Where do you find a freaking thing to set the clock? And he, and he loses really. it from calm to that. No, it's, that's, that's what our viewer is saying. Looking to buy a new or used car? Visit changecars.co.za. Okay, guys. So I want to talk a bit about car buying. So I know you buy and sell every day. Adam, you, you bought and yeah, sold. You dabble in it, yes. You dabble in it yeah. from time to time. So the difference and the po rather positives and negatives between buying privately versus buying from a dealer. What what are we dealing with there? Because I know there are positives to each and pitfalls to, to, to both of them. Adam? I got a perfect, perfect, perfect example. Mm. Yesterday I had a client of mine sell his um, 
BW Golf 1.2 diesel. You know that three-cylinder horrible 1.2 diesel thing? Okay, so sold it to somebody. The next day, <clears throat> it was yesterday morning, the, the, the guy gets a phone call from the guy he bought it from and said, no, when he started in this morning, it struggled like hell to start and it wouldn't start and it was a big pile of smoke and everything out of it. So then the private seller, who's this client of mine, says to me, what, what do I do? I said, well, basically, you've got to tell the guy, I'm sorry, get it fixed. You bought the car, it's private. There's no, there's no, there's no backup or anything for it. If you want to, out of your own goodwill, say yeah. to the guy, take the car in somewhere, let's have a look and see what the problem is. Did the private seller know, did your customer know that it was giving trouble? Was this a well, symptom that it had before? I know the vehicle and it wasn't given problem. But because we had this terrible cold spell, yeah. the yeah, car yeah, struggled cool because it was yeah. cold. Yeah. And they, eventually, this client of mine is a good guy. He sent the, sent the car to me with the owner and, and I checked it out for him and said, oh, the problem is the glow plugs don't work on the diesel yeah. car. So you need to replace the glow plugs. The client who owned the car paid for it. That's fine. That's a good story. But there's so many people who would buy a car like that where somebody knows there's a problem. So I bought a car from you, Google, yeah. private sale. I went and bought your Mercedes, whatever. I phone you the next day. I said, the gearbox packed up. You say, well, you bought the car, tough, tough cookie. But if I go to Mike and I buy a bus from Mike and, and in He's a month's time, and a month's time the, the gearbox falls out of the car, Mike, what do you do? Uh, all cars under the CPA are guaranteed for six months, in theory, because a lot of the garages don't honor that. We personally, and that's the honest truth, we give a one-year unlimited kilometer guarantee. But regarding the topic, I think it's an excellent question, mm. because this is one of those uh, questions where there's no clear-cut right or wrong. Yeah. If you said to me, on mass, would I recommend buying privately or buying from a dealer? It would be buying from the right dealer. But let me give you positives to each. Adam's owned a car. Since new, eight years old, he's my neighbor. I know the car. I see it every day. Would mm. I buy that car from Adam with my eyes closed? Yeah. The negatives come in if I need finance, etc. There's challenges. Who's going to roadworthy yet? Mm. Where I would never buy a car privately is when you're buying a car from a friend of a friend who's heard that his friend's looking to sell it. When I go to a reputable dealer, everything is super simple. Simple. I walk in, I've got a trade-in, they'll take my trade-in. I need finance, they'll organize finance. I need insurance, they'll do it. What is the perception of buying private versus dealer? Well, it's much cheaper to buy it privately. So that's, 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 that's the upside of well, that's a, No, that's a perceived upside. Really? But this, but no, 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 no. Don't say it's a perceived upside because from a dealer, a dealer's making a profit, right? Of course. But you're a private seller. Mm. How do you arrive at the price for your car? You go onto one of the websites, you go onto Change Cards, you go onto Auto Trader, leading sites, you see a VW Polo selling for 250,000 Rand at the dealer down the road from me. It's got 96,000 Ks. Mine has got 92,000 Ks. What is my car worth in my eyes as a private seller? More than that. More than that or the same. <laughs> so that's yeah. why I use the word perceived. I will put my neck on a block with very few exceptions where you get a better deal privately than you'll get through a dealer. Yeah. Would you agree? And I think you used the correct term. Like you said, if your neighbor's got a car, you know the car, you get it. Eyes closed. You can, if you're getting a great deal, so like you mentioned, let's say the Polo is going for 100,000 Rand, but you know somebody else is selling a private private sale and you know the history of it, whatever, and they want, because they got offered a trade-in of let's say 80,000 dollars then it's generally a good buy. But you've got to understand the pitfalls. If you have a problem, there's- uh, There is no recourse. There is no yeah. recourse, unless you've got a good guy like my client who went and sorted this thing out. But that's a small thing, it was you know, a 2,000 rand job. But um, the other thing as well is from a private buyer selling a vehicle, 
So like Mike said, if you're going to sell your vehicle, you take it into Mike and you say, I want to buy one of yours, he trades in the vehicle, or if you go, you don't have to worry about license, registration, anything. I sell my private car to you, Google, and you just look at the license disc and say, well, I've still got 10 months worth of license on here. You drive it for 10 months. You don't care about roadworthying the car. You don't care about changing the ownership. 100%. Previous owner, me, is now getting fines and e-tolls and Can I just chime in there? Yeah. I am probably five or six years with a bike I don't have, and I pay for that disc <laughs> every single year. It's still in somebody else's name. Yeah, yeah. So See, I now, need to scrap it like soonest. So here, here's the problem. Take take a car scenario, and you've done what you've done there, and you go along and you drive that car, and you're a bad guy, and you ha you'd run over a school kid as an example, and you drive off like most people do in this country nowadays when they have accidents. They drive off and don't care about anybody else. A growing crime but, of driving over school kids in yeah, South Africa. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you, know, you have an accident or bumper bashing. I mean, how many times have we heard the story? People oh, of just, course. just run away. But if somebody gets your, your number plate now, okay, they're going to come to me and say, Adam, you, yeah, in your yeah, whatever car yeah, it was, had was this accident, ran over a child, killed somebody, whatever it is, I'm responsible for it. So if you're selling your car privately, one of the good things to do is to sell, if you'd rather sell it to a dealer, but if you have somebody that you're going to buy it from, you're going to maybe make a little bit of extra money for it or whoever it is, make sure you get that vehicle taken out of your name and put into the, to the other person's name. So what you can do is you, you, you keep a copy of, of the license papers, you take Gugu's ID because Gugu's buying it from me, and you go to the license department and say, I've sold this car to Gugu, here's the license, I mean, here's his ID, Please put it into his name. It's no longer in your name. It's out. Um, when If Google doesn't want to register it and he doesn't want to um, do the roadworthy on it and pay the license, that's no longer your problem. That's no. his problem. You, know? you don't have to rely on the other party to do the right thing. In this case, you do the right thing. But if you take the discussion point as such, there's always pros and cons. But en masse, I would say to you, it's a lot safer to buy from a reputable dealer and uh, what you call it, buying from yeah. a private person, and to sell. You take the buying sites, wheelie, we buy cars. You're looking to sell your car to these sites. I promise you, you will not have a day's trouble. Yeah. Or change good, cars, of course. Yeah. You've always got to save the best for last. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Need advice? Visit changecars.co.za and click on the Keep It or Change Cars tab. Our second question is from uh, Melissa, who's from Pretoria. And she wants to know why servicing quotes differ so much, right? And she gives an example of her own car. We won't mention the brand of the vehicle, but it is mainstream. Um, she says, as she's on a budget and her Japanese car is out of service plan, she's always getting two different dealerships to quote her when she needs something done on the car. And she indicates that while the basics are very similar, you'd think that the two dealerships are looking at two different vehicles. Yeah. Well, I suppose, is it... Um, the same brand of dealerships or is it an aftermarket dealership and a franchise dealership? Because a franchise dealership costs are always much higher than that of a non-franchise dealership. I spoke to Melissa because this was yes. actually a call in mm. and she said, I mean, I said to you, there's a specific reason yeah. for not mentioning the brand yeah. but there's uh, different branches specifically franchise because she normally, wants the peace of mind. Yeah, most of the time the, the franchise dealers have like a, a set menu, really, you know, where this is the price of the car. It's set by the, the, the manufacturer itself and says, okay, your this service will cost you that much. Now, I know like in different areas, so for argument's sake, like she's in Pretoria, you can get it. It'll be a bit more expensive than if you were in like, you know, let's sure. say uh, Port Elizabeth where labor rates are less and so forth. But in terms of in like Pretoria, the same dealers, they should be, the same sort of thing. 
So what concerns her? She'll take the car in, oil, oil filter, air filter, fuel filter, yeah. no questions. Needs to be done, mm. very similar. Should be a standard then process. The that, one yeah. dealer says your front brakes need to be done. Other dealer says your front brakes are perfect. Other dealer says your rear discs need to be uh, re replaced. Mm. And other dealer doesn't even mention it. It's that that always surprises me. Even as a motor dealer, mm. we will sometimes take a car to a garage for a major service because before we sell the car, as indicated, we give a one-year guarantee. You get the basics and fundamentals yeah. right, no problem. We'll get a quote for 26,000 Rand. Ludicrous. I'll say to my office colleagues, never in a million years. Send it down the road, exact same manufacturer, quote comes 11,000 rand. Yeah. How does that happen, Adam? Well, I think what actually happens is, like you mentioned, brakes. Somebody will look at brake pads and say, okay, these are 50% worn. Uh, let's replace it because it won't make it to the next service interval because the next service interval is, let's say, 15,000 kilometers. The next workshop you send it to looks at it and says, well, there's 50% of those brake pads. I don't want to change them now because it's going to be too expensive for the customer and they can last another year and they'll come back in another year. So, I mean, that is the one thing that sometimes has a differential. But in terms of the pricing on parts, from should be identical. It should be identical. Sometimes the labor changes, but there are certain um, manuf manufacturer dealers that maybe spend a little bit more attention and say, look, we need to replace this. We need to, we found this is maybe they're a bit more, uh, what is the word I want to use uh, um, in depth in their service as opposed to just getting it like Very a drive-through in so, and out. So there's always two sides to a story. So there's not a shadow of doubt in my mind that certain uh, dealerships push the envelope. Let's look at brakes. Yeah. Brakes should give you 100% wear. But what you don't want to do, obviously, is go take your car for a service today and two months later, when you're expecting it to be 10 months later, have to do brakes again. Yeah. What I would do you put on the invoice or you phone the customer and say, mm. Mr. Ford, we've got good news for you. Your brakes have still got 35% left. You don't want to waste 35% of your brakes, but please bear in mind that it will not make it to the next service. What yeah. would you like to do? You see, things like brakes it can be such a difficult thing because, Mike, you do a lot of highway driving. You don't use your brakes. Driving much. styles. Gugu is stuck in the traffic all day. So his brake pads and yours may wear out at a highly different rate. Gugu just drives uh, harder on a car than me. Yeah, I'm he, smooth, I mean, I'm quick. I'm Google's talking about a racetrack, of course. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the thing sometimes when I have it in my workshop as well, where I'll phone the customer and say, look, you know, your brake pads aren't going to make it to the next service. They'll do maybe four, 5,000 kilometers. And they may say, look, I do four, 5,000 Ks a year. So sure. I'll, I'll bring it in at a later stage and save the money now I can save up. Or they say, look, just I don't want the aggravation of having to come back. So sometimes you, in terms of like different differentials in, in terms of quotes, it can be quite difficult because you don't exactly know what is happening. You may find the more expensive quote was money well spent. The cheaper quote was just poor money you wasted. But you know? what is interesting here and what I take out of this, I'm honest when I say to you, I've never heard of somebody getting two quotes. If you get a quote and all seems in line and within your expectations, happy, sign it off. Mm -hmm. But if for whatever reason it seems a little bit or a lot more expensive than you were thinking, Go get a second quote. Naturally, if the second quote is similar, choose which of the two are nicer to you. But if there is a vast difference, personally, and a reputable dealer's, I'll go with the cheaper one. Yeah. The important thing as well is to have a look at the quote to understand what is being replaced. So you may find you, you phone up a specific dealer and say, I'm, I'm my vehicle's in here for a 60,000 kilometer service. They'll say, fine, it's an oil chain service and it's 3,000 rand. The other dealer looks at it and says, no, this is actually a major service and it needs all these other components and it's going to be 8,000 rand. So you need to have a look and see and just talk to the dealer accordingly. I got a quote from Google and Google quoted me eight grand, you quoted me three grand. Uh, why is there a difference? And then see from there.
So essentially, Melissa, shop around, compare and get the right deal for you or go with the people that are nicer to you. Before we come to the end of the show, I was once asked, what is my favorite quote? What is your favorite quote? I don't have one. What is your favorite quote? Uh, my favorite quote, let me think, is um, Mr. Churchill, you were <laughs> drunk. That's what somebody said to him. And he said, in the morning, I'll be sober, but you'll still be ugly. That's it. <laughs> so, me, so does anybody ask me my favorite okay, quote? Okay, what's your favorite quote? The lowest one. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. You didn't see where it was going. <laughs> hey. Dad joke. Guys, thank you so much for the time. Adam, uh, you're always welcome. I don't need to invite you in here. You just walk right in. And Mike, thank you for being here always. Really appreciate your inputs as well. See you next time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. Gentlemen, thank you very much for having me here today. And thank you for tuning into the podcast. And if you found value in today's episode, please do us a favor and subscribe. We'd love to have you on. And as part of the family, if you're looking for a car, a bike, a caravan, anything short of an airplane, go onto the Change Cars website and search around, play around. You'll find what you're looking for, vehicle, bike, boat, caravan, et cetera, et cetera. And if you need insurance, hit the discovery tab to get an obligation-free quote. For South Africa's best motoring content, catch all things motoring on DSTV Channel 189 and on YouTube. New episodes every week.